Hi everyone, welcome to your weekly tech update, the show that explores the newest, coolest, and craziest side of tech around. I'm your host, Ray McNeil, and today we're celebrating 100 episodes by showing you where I've been living for almost four years now. I feel very blessed that I get to record and produce my show and send it off to the NCW Life Channel to play in the Wenatchee Valley and all over North Central Washington. And I wanted to show you what I've been experiencing this past four years and why this place has captured my heart just as much as the Wenatchee Valley. We'll also go over some of the awesome tech stories that uh, we have showcased over the past 100 episodes. Everything from robotics to uh, medical technology to transportation. We're gonna hit on it all today on episode 100 of your weekly tech update. I'm Ray, let's go for a hike. So we've come to the Koala Conservatory here on Phillip Island to show you, well, what else koalas? And the reason I'm trying to be quiet, it's a tough thing for me to do, is that there's koalas all around me, lounging, sleeping, and uh, eating in the trees that you see here. Right now we've got a couple of them that are actually back here eating. Back in the 1850s, settlers on Phillip Island began clearing the natural vegetation from farms and towns. Over time, the natural woodlands were reduced to small fragments surrounded by cleared areas. On Phillip Island, the natural vegetation was reduced to less than 15% of its original state. That was by the 1990s. Concerned local people saw the problem and donated land for wildlife and habitat protection on the island. The Koala Conservation Center would not exist today if not for the foresight of these generous people. We just stumbled on a couple sleeping koalas. I'll try to get a good picture of them for you here. This is what koalas do most of the day. They're nighttime animals. And they sleep most of the time. So when you come out to see them, you've got to be quiet. You've got to watch your step. We've got wallabies all around. Hello. were first introduced to Phillip Island in the 1870s. No one actually knows why, but somebody did bring them here and they aren't native to the island itself. The koala population grew quickly and people came to the island for wildlife, particularly to see the koalas. In fact, the koala population grew so large between 1941 and 1978, over 3,000 koalas were taken off the island due to overcrowding. 
And due to this overpopulation and of course the fact that uh, the land was disappearing because of overdevelopment, well, the koala population started to decline. And that's when people jumped into action to bring us the Koala Conservation Park. And in fact, all of the wildlife parks here on Phillip Island. Uh, they have these little gates that you go through. So you go through one, then you go through another, and that hopefully will keep the wildlife contained within the walls of the park here. Again, we're getting back into the koala areas. Another place I'm not going to hit on today is the Penguin Parade. And yes, it's exactly what it sounds. The Penguin Parade is the penguins coming home every single night. Every morning they wake up, they go into the ocean, and well, they do their penguin thing. Then, every night at dusk, like clockwork, they parade up the beach from the water past a flood of people sitting in bleachers and go into their little houses that uh, most of them were made by rangers and volunteers on the island. And it is one of the coolest things you have ever seen. I really am not an animal person, but I suggest you check out the penguin parade when you come here. It's amazing. They're called fairy penguins and they're tiny. They stand about four or six inches tall. Some of them as tall as eight inches. And again, it's, it's like clockwork. Every night at sundown, they come out of the water and you can watch them parade themselves up the side of the hill and into their little habitats. we're here to talk about technology and my favorite subject by far is transportation technology. I, I see technology is going to make it so we can have leisurely trips to the other side of the world, to other planets and well beyond in the future. But starting at home, I'm really waiting for these flying cars to come out. We've been waiting since the 50s or 60s for these things since we were actually able to build them. But I, I think what's happened is nobody's going to let the entire populace of the world fly around in their own flying cars. So I think it's been held up till we have computers that are strong enough and smart enough to autonomously drive these cars for us, enabling us to hop in, set a destination, and go. I am really looking forward to it. In addition to that, we've had SpaceX that's been working a lot on rocket technology to send us to the moon, to send us to Mars. I mean, they put a car in space and they want to create these short hop shuttles that will shuttle us from one side of the world to the other in 30 to 45 minutes. I cannot wait. These are just some of the stories that we've hit on over the past 100 episodes here on your weekly tech update.
The ZH2 is a modified version of the Colorado with a specifically reinforced frame designed for all-terrain use. The car's engine compartment has also been modified to accommodate its hydrogen fuel cell-based powertrain, which GM says offers unique advantages for the military. It's the first model from Next EV's new brand, NEO. Dubbed the world's fastest electric car, it can go from zero to 200K per hour in 7.1 seconds. Panther SUAS Air Ground Robot. It can both fly and then drive up to your door. When it's too dangerous or costly to travel by air, the machine just has to touch down and then wheel its way to its final destination. The company's Volocopter VC200, an 18-rotor drone helicopter hybrid, took its first crewed flight last year. Now, Evolo revealed its first production model, the 2X. Lilium has successfully tested its all-electric vertical takeoff and landing jet for the first time. The basic concept of a VTOL is that it has the benefits of a helicopter in terms of taking off and landing without requiring a huge runway and hovering in one place, but once airborne, it can still achieve the higher top speeds of a fixed-wing craft like a Richard jet. Branson is poised to revive powered test flights as the billionaire entrepreneur targets his first journey into space by the middle of next year. Following the completion of a series of glide-only flights, powered tests are set to take place every three weeks with the aim of extending them into space by November or December. After his own flight, full commercial passenger operations should start by the end of 2018. City Airbus is described as a battery-powered air vehicle that's able to vertically take off and land. The European Aerospace Company said it's designed to carry up to four passengers over congested areas to destinations such as airports and train stations. Musk launching the largest rocket ever and ejecting his cherry red Tesla Roadster into the great beyond. On launch day, you were able to watch a live stream of the launch and subsequent action in the car and of the two boosters that managed to land upright in tandem. Apparently, the center stage ran out of fuel on its way down to a barge and crashed into the water, but still, two out of three ain't bad. going to uh, go to the Nobbies. This is at the very tip of Phillip Island and they have a bird colony here. As you can see behind us here, there's little houses for the birds and also penguins. Uh, we have a colony of fairy penguins on the island as well. And at nighttime during sundown, they will climb up this hill and they will crawl into these little houses behind us. And that's where they will sleep the night. Uh, on my hike today, we have a seven-year-old. That's right, somebody who goes to Cow's Primary School. She's an excellent piano player, and she's a pretty dang good singer, too. It is my daughter, Abby. Abby, how are you today? Good. Good. Where are we at right now? That is right. 
So we're gonna go and we're gonna check out the blowhole. Do you remember that? I think some people also call it the thunder cave because it kind of sounds like thunder when the water comes in. And uh, maybe we'll see some cool birds and stuff along the way, yes? All right. So Abby, what is your favorite thing about living on Phillip Island? Playgrounds there. <laughs> Do you love to play on the playgrounds all over the island? Yeah. You know them all by color, don't you? Where's the blue playground? New <laughs> Where's the red playground? Um, Where's the yellow playground? <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think your daddy does for work? Really? You have no idea what I do for work? I forgot. <laughs> what are we doing now? We're on a hike. If people are to come to Phillip Island and uh, visit here, where do you think they should go and uh, explore? Uh, here. Here? Here's a good place. The Nobbies is awesome, isn't it? Because they can, like, I mean, out at sea because they can discover Very true. There are lots of animals here, aren't there? Yeah, and, and there's actually some animals in the sea that we haven't explored yet, maybe. Very true. And there are succulents. They're plants. They're these things right here. In Wenatchee, we didn't have succulents that grew on the ground everywhere. But here, we... Yep, and we have fields of succulent plants that just naturally grow because we have a very high humidity here on the island. Oh, watch out. Excuse us. This is uh, definitely one of the touristy areas of the island, but a place you must walk and uh, check out when you come to visit. It is also one of the most beautiful places on the island to have a look at and a great place to have a hike too. So where else, besides the Nobbies, should people go and visit when they come and visit Phillip Island? Forest caves. The forest caves. Can you tell people about the forest caves? <laughs> okay then, there you go, an explanation from a seven-year-old. The forest caves are actually quite cool. It's a, a rock formation that's right on the coastline. And when you walk around it on low tide, there's actually caves inside these rocks that you can go and explore. And it's definitely a must-see place here on Phillip Island as well. I've got to hit on a couple of uh, the favorite subjects of mine, uh, one of which is robotics technology. I can't believe how advanced robotics technology has gotten. And let's 
take a look at just some of the stories we've showed off over the past 100 episodes. Backflipping robots is nothing new. Boston Dynamics' much bigger Atlas robot pulled off the trick in November 2017, but the Mini Cheetah is the first four-legged robot to do it, which is almost more impressive. It weighs in at around 20 pounds and can trot along at up to 2.4 meters per second. That's about 5.5 miles per hour, which seems useful to know just in case things go all black mirror on us in the future. Picture robots like Rosie from the Jetsons. Roboteam was tight-lipped about the design and branding for the new robot that'll be rolling out for them. its consumer-facing subsidiary, but there are a few details that we uh, seem to get from them. The robot will be about three feet high. It'll have an interactive 10-inch display. It'll weigh about 22 pounds, built to prevent crime near Terabella and Linda Vista Avenue in Mountain View, California. It's actually a significant leap forward for robot kind. The clever and simple two-legged robot known as the Planar Elliptical Runner was developed at the Institute for Human and Machine Cognition in Pensacola, Florida. And while this TX-40 industrial arm doesn't play the knife game as quickly as, say, the Android Bishop did in Alien, I'm content to just challenge robots to a nice, safe game of air hockey. But it does make you think, what would happen if we combined all of this awesome robot tech? The Cheetah robot, DARPA's humanoid robot, the knife-wielding bot, and so forth. It brings up some pretty nightmarish images. In fact, we could even create something as dangerous as Jeff Bezos. Pretty easy to imagine these real-life robo-limbs evolving into something that could, to quote Spider-Man's own words to Doc Ock, turn you into something that you're not. Using biometric identification, this bot is absolutely awesome. But to ensure interactions and IDs don't fall into the hands of the rebels, UB Tech keeps this robot offline and doesn't actually share anything to the cloud to avoid a seemingly inevitable hack. And finally, happening in this week's What The... This thing. It's the Kubo Tail Therapy Robot. This is essentially a cushion with a realistic cat tail that reacts to stroking and patting so that it's able to comfort its owner like a real pet would simply through tail wagging. To make it more lifelike, Kubo also wags its tail randomly when it's left alone for too long. It can run for 90 minutes on a single charge. It has 17 joints and an attached arm with five degrees of freedom. The Spot Mini goes on sale sometime in 2019, but pricing information hasn't been revealed yet. You can bet that it won't come cheap. However, this robot isn't geared towards consumers. It features a bipedal battery-powered Atlas robot that not only jogs, but hops over obstacles and up an uneven obstacle course without an issue. The bot now has enough processing power to use its legs, arms, and torso to balance through the movements and power up each 40 centimeter high step while using computer vision to locate the next one. Isn't that awesome? I really can't believe that we're to the point now where we have robots that can actually do backflips and parkour like a human can. It's absolutely fascinating.
So in addition to the Penguin Parade, Churchill Island, the Forest Caves, and the Nobbies, you can also come out and uh, experience numerous rock pools on low tide here on the island. Right now, it's uh, a little after 4 p.m. The tide is almost at its lowest for the day, and it reveals all of these fantastic rock pools with numerous shells and creatures that are living in these uh, little pools that have been created by the water going out. This is so exciting wherever I am! <laughs> One of my other favorite categories is medical technology or medical advancements. Over the past 100 episodes here in your weekly tech update, we've gotten to show off everything from seemingly cures to cancer to uh, technology that could help MS patients live longer, happier lives. Here's just a few of the stories that we've touched on over the past 100 episodes. Patients with severe spinal injuries. After a mere three weeks of therapy, Chris started showing signs of improvements. And within two months, well, he could answer the phone, write his name, even operate his wheelchair. It was discovered that stimulating the genes intermittently reversed aging without causing any damaging side effects. In mice with a premature aging disease, the treatment countered signs of aging and increased their lifespan by 30%. A new way of harnessing the sun's rays to power synthetic skin could help to create advanced prosthetic limbs capable of returning the sense of touch to amputees. Engineers from the University of Glasgow have previously developed an electronic skin covering for prosthetic hands made from graphene and have found a way to use some of graphene's remarkable physical properties to use energy from the sun to power the skin itself. When combined with standard chemotherapy, the cat more than doubled five-year survival rates of brain cancer patients from 5% to 13%, turning the motions of their hands into smaller, more precise and tremor-free movements. Lymphedema is a serious condition often occurring due to breast cancer treatment, which disrupts the flow of lymphatic fluid, leading to its buildup causing pain and swelling. Now, the treatment for the chronic condition is a complex microsurgery, which involves connecting lymphatic vessels to blood vessels to restore the flow to normal. As the procedure requires a high level of precision, not very many surgeons are actually able to do it. Researchers at the Mayo Clinic said Jared Shinnok paralyzed at the the waist in 2013 while riding a snowmobile has been able to walk 111 yards with assistance. An AI system that can predict Alzheimer's disease from brain scans. In tests on a separate set of 40 imaging exams from 40 patients, the researchers' AI system achieved 100% sensitivity at detecting Alzheimer's, an average of more than six years prior to the final diagnosis. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? And who knows what other amazing technology we are gonna show off over the next 100 episodes. Thank you so much for joining me and uh, check out the YouTube channel, check out our podcast too, available on Google, iTunes, Spotify, Audioburst, and many other places on the internet. Till next time, I'm Ray McNeil. And I'm Ari McNeil. Good night, world. <laughs>